Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. The show contains objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised. What? 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 You want my comments? What? 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 Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another round of the Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, the part man, part machine, all podcaster, Carlos, a.k.a. the Wrestling Movie Guy, accompanied by my boy, your favorite, James, a.k.a. J-Dash. Say what's up, dude, after I apologize for not introducing you last week. Oh, my God, I am finally here. I'm blessed to be here, blessed to be a part of the show. It seems like I'm not been, you know, properly introduced each and every episode but hey happens but let's get on with it bro (laughs) once again i'm sorry dude (laughs) feel free to pummel me on twitter y'all they say there's no such thing as bad publicity well let's find out but before we get started let's do a quick little promo you guys know what it is make sure to follow pw newsroom they're on twitter as well as they are the individuals that are putting up these episodes on their website we thank them very much make sure to check out 503 sports if you want your cool xfl gear keep it old school y'all make sure to follow us on twitter pwnswp and at Wrestling Movie G, make sure to check out the new YouTube channel, The Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. That's all you got to type in there. And, of course, guess what, guys? We got a new Facebook page. Oh, my God. We're finally catching up to the rest of the world. Make sure to check us out on Facebook. And, as you guys already know, this is the SmackDown edition. We're going to talk about five storylines in the ring, two backstage stories, and our heels of the week. So, with that being said, let's get it going. And... Man, oh, man, oh, man, this was juicy because we got Bray Wyatt going back in the time machine and reminding Braun Strowman of his black sheep history. What can one say about this buildup other than fantastic? How intriguing it is, how suspenseful it is, and how gripping it is. Bray has really made himself relatable to me now through this storyline. From his point of view, he was family to Braun Strowman. He was almost like his adoptive father. Bray saw that Braun needed help and introduced him to the ways of Sister Abigail, and he became a force to be reckoned with in the WWE, even though his finishing move, the bear hug, wasn't the most impressive thing in the world. But thank God he changed that. Of course, he did even more damage after he left the Firefly family because Braun Strowman became the monster among men and the champion that we all know and love today. Of course, you know, that left Bray Wyatt in a tough spot because his family was breaking up at this point besides braun Strowman rolling out eric rowan and luke harper became the <clears throat> the bludgeon brothers yeah do you guys remember that well it was a mediocre run they got the tag team titles but they were doing their own thing so bray wyatt no longer had a family and then it seemed like bray wyatt just fell off the planet and now as we all know He came back as the fiend slash demented Mr. Rogers, standing stronger on his own than he ever has before. And here we are now on the cusp of these two reuniting for a match with years of resentment in the making. James, who was in the right here, and who do you think is going to come out on top? Uh, Who's in the right? From each one's point of view, one is saying I'm the good guy, and the other saying you didn't help me, you know? Like, who's right here? Bray is playing a character in which he thinks he's in the right, that he led all of his children down the right path, Luke Harper, um, Braun Strowman, and Eric Eric Rowan. Rowan. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes the children do leave the father and the family behind to go their separate ways. Braun Strowman thinks he did the right way of breaking away from the family because he knew he had better chances of being a better superstar. Quite frankly, out of the three guys who were part of the Wyatt family, including Bray, Braun Strowman has accelerated his career all the way to the top of the charts with the Universal Championship. I don't know if that's equal to the WWE or more than the WWE title. Still can't figure out which belt is actually more prestiged. I put them both on equal level. Okay. Um, But this storyline, this demographic, this 
characteristics of both characters, the the detail of their past, making Bray Wyatt almost how can I phrase it from movies in the past? Some of the some of the most epic horror uh, horror movies in in cinema has this story written into it. You know, this the someone broke away like. The evil guy broke away from the family, and the evil guy's hiding the person back. It's like your classic Freddy Krueger versus Jason type of aspect in this storyline. I would actually say, and this may be a rather strange analogy, but Jennifer's Body, where you have the two friends that have been friends forever. I know it's not the best movie, but hey, it's got Megan Fox with almost no clothes on. Give it a shot, people. Um, you know, you got your two main characters, Megan Fox and her friend uh, Amanda Seymour, I think is the actress's name. They both grow apart when Megan Fox becomes the hot one and everybody's all about her and she leaves her friend behind and that creates a whole lot of resentment between the two characters. I feel like this is kind of similar to that if you're going to go in that horror movie direction. Well, I was kind of because honestly, everything that Bray's in, it's basically a horror movie because of how he torments superstars mentally outside the ring. Maybe he not does it, do it inside the ring. Uh, but he's a great person to, you know, get in your head. And one thing I've noticed about Braun Strowman, we've known him from, if you watched a lot of the Botchamania, I know that's a big hit thing for wrestling fans. Uh, Braun Strowman's intro is unique. It likes to interrupt people while they're introducing him to the ring. Um, we've noticed Braun Strowman going from a me, me dumb, me just big guy type wrestler to intelligent you know fan favorite character that is being pushed by the wwe because we know vince mcmahon loves big people he loves the monsters big sweaty uh, men specifically and bray on the other hand he started that rise quickly with the wyatt family everyone remembers you know fireflies at night the arenas go dark and the only thing you see is cell phones in the crowd with him holding his torch and he rose to the top quick, then fell. I think he won the WWE Championship as Bray and mm. lost it, then went away for a couple of months or kind of the Matt Hardy type of segment. Then he came back as Feed and won the Universal, then lost it again. This whole story and how it has been built up, honestly, I don't see it ending at Money in the Bank. I see this continuing to, I think, Extreme Rules is next. Um, but the black sheep, Braun Strowman, this aspect, it's deep. It's deeper than what they're trying to tell on TV or how they – honestly, if I'm not going to bash the WWE. I know me and you have bashed it in the past. I know a lot of people have bashed their storyline and creative. But if this storyline itself was either an ROH or New Japan or AEW – they can get really deep in the storyline. And WWE can't really get into it because, of course, TNT, not TNT, uh, USA and Fox, they can't really get as deep as they can. Uh, but this storyline, it, it has so much more potential to really get dark, but I'm afraid they can't get to that barrier. But right now, they're getting right there to tease you to what it can happen, but, you know, limitations. But for this whole black sheep thing, who's in the right? Both are in the right. Both are in the wrong. And that's what makes this story and this title match next Sunday going to be exciting to watch. Um, of course, I love the Bray. Bray's character to feed after he came back like that, it's just been on point since. That was such a great character uh, move by Bray Wyatt to stay alive in the industry. So, yeah. But they can get so much deeper than this, man. Come on. Can we have like a rated X episode of WWE? Because it can get really dirty in this uh, storyline. So, yeah. That makes you wonder, are they going to do just a regular match at the uh, at Money in the Bank? Or are they going to do another vignette? I think they're going to do the similar thing like they did with uh, him and, uh, and John- Rollins. Ooh, okay. Well, oh, God, no. For some reason, I thought you said John Cena. I was like, ooh, okay. But then I remembered the Hell in a Cell Rollins thing. I was like, oh, God, no. Can we not do that again? That was so bad. Yeah, it was bad, but I don't see him doing this, the WrestleMania thing all over again. You can't keep having Bray Wyatt have those matches constantly. It's, it just ruins, in my opinion, it just ruins 
the art that is wrestling in the ring. You have, I don't know, they're trying to keep the character of Bray into it, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'd be interesting, yeah. But I think they'll be more leaning towards the the Bray versus Seth Rollins type of atmosphere, not that type of match, but that type of atmosphere compared to WrestleMania. All right, and with that, let's move on. I think we can both agree that the build has been good. They could do a little bit more, but the important thing is that the build for this has been pretty damn good. And what's been happening with Sunny Deville has been excellent. She has begun the destruction of Mandy Rose's life. As each week goes by, it seems more and more of Sonya's sanity is being lost. And as the insanity continues, her ability to do damage to her former best friend does not dwindle. As we saw this past week, Sonya cost Mandy the final spot at the Money in the Bank match, which went to Carmella. Carmella is money. I felt it was a very unique way to have Mandy lose by distracting her with words and not physical actions. Uh, you know, of course, until the loss happened and then Sonny Deville went in and beat the hell out of Mandy Rose. And the work for that beatdown was stiff. It was excellent. They really had me believe in that these two dislike each other. Even though in real life, they are very good friends. It was just very well done the way that she beat the living hell out of her. And we had a aftermatch update. And you could see Mandy's leg, like, it was bruising real bad. You could see where she where she got thrown into the metal steps. And I really dug that the fact that they actually went that extra little mile to get your suspension of disbelief gone. Or, well, brought in. Enforced it? How does that work? <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, and, of course, this led to Otis having more motivation against Dolph Ziggler. As Ziggler and Sonya are now completely tied together and are two miserable peas in a pod. What is making this what is making this so good is the idea that Sonya knows everything about Mandy. Nobody on the roster knows Mandy Rose better than Sonya Deville. And it kind of seems like a plot out of fatal attraction. Speaking of, you know, taking horror movies into this, as, as we said earlier. And Sonya will not be ignored, Mandy. I love this kind of stuff. It takes me back to the days of Mickey James when she was stalking Trish Stratus. And then they had that big fallout and just total ex-psycho girlfriend kind of stuff. This storyline, this this type of storyline is always going to be a draw for me. So do you think that this is going to go down like as well as the whole Mickey James Trish Stratus thing? Or can oh. they keep this up? I hope they don't because I think how that storyline between Mickey James and Stretch Stratus happened was an epic collapse at a WrestleMania. What I do you mean say, an epic collapse? That's when Mickey like, James uh, you know, kind of grabbed her by the crotch. Was that at WrestleMania? They, yeah, that, that, that's when they edited it out because she grabbed Trish Stratus by the crotch and made a V with her fingers and like licked it. If you all don't believe me, if you're too young to remember that, people, go look that up. That happened. Mm. And uh, uh, WWE I, Network has edited that out, so you gotta oh, go on you YouTube gotta be to find it. Me, really? Yeah, dude, Vince was so pissed about that. Oh, bullshit, man! <laughs> I loved it as a teen prepubescent. I dug that. <laughs> Damn, it's it's not like the puppies that we had in that era. Where puppies. Jared, Jared King Lauder couldn't just shut up saying puppies everywhere, but hey, uh, the good old days of WWE when there were no boundaries to follow. Uh, but so you're, are you saying the Sony Deville and Mandy Rose end up in a match where someone touches someone's crotch? Um, I wouldn't <laughs> mind it, but I would recognize why that'd be a problem. Um, but okay, take the whole you know V hand gesture and the licking out of the way. Can it go on that level? Because people remember that storyline, but there are so many others where divas break up, or sorry, not divas, a little outdated there, when uh, female wrestlers break up and they're pushing it like it's a huge match, but it com becomes completely forgettable. I, I know this is like going, you know, going haywire here in this segment, but hey, we've done how many podcasts so far in the last couple of weeks? We got to find some itch. Um, but <laughs> for some odd reason, that whole last sentence you just said about, you know, we got to get our own stuff and ship. The only thing about Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville comparing it to Trish and Mickey, um, for some odd reason, that scene that was d 
deleted or edited out of WWE Network and what we're talking about that we're expressing that's happening in right now and why you, it may not happen. Well, it shouldn't happen because we are in the PG area. But if it did happen, <laughs> I'm already laughing about it. If it did happen today, just think of Mandy Rose's theme song, how it starts. That is a classic, classic, classic tune for a old school pornography movie. Very much so. <laughs> Super sensual lady. Uh, but <laughs> oh, no, dude, wild. if Sonny Deville even said, I'm not kidding here. Go back and watch it. Sonny Deville, as she's walking away from beating the hell out of Manny Rose, it sounds like she got off. She's going, uh, I was like, good lord. Um, was she told <laughs> to do that? <laughs> or is oh. that just the emotion of it? Oh jeez! If this she get did any, it, not me. <laughs> if this doesn't get ratings review for a podcast, I have no idea what these fuckers are complaining about. Uh, but get back on the subject here. Questionable uh, language is, is, is involved. In yes. Like, please don't try this at home. I have the WWE logo flash in the background. Uh, <laughs> but the rivalry between these two have started over the what last couple of weeks maybe two three weeks maybe a little bit no a little bit before wrestle no it was at wrestleman where the actually official gauntlet being laid down after sonia got everything off her chest i would say yeah for the last two weeks but the buildup has been there yeah it started you could start i think it was at wrestlemania when it first showed itself but the monday or friday night smackdown after wrestlemania is where it went off um but how Sonya Deville came down to the ring, distracted Mandy from her match against uh, Carmella. Um, again, she's in the tag, or she's in the ladder match. Whoop de doo! Here we go again with Carmella. Um, I see Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose in a match at Money in the Bank. Maybe I don't want. It possibly can be. A intergender match between uh, Sonya Deville, Ryder, and Mandy and Otis. That's very possible. Uh, but it sounds like Sonya Deville is jealous, or the how it's building up. It's like the old classic high school jealousy. You're dating this guy, and he's not worth it. You should be dating this, or I should be doing this because I'm better than you. Type. It's that classic, you know, girl uh, class. Not, it happens to guys too. The jealousy. A popularity. That's what this whole rivalry is starting to really. It's kind of like uh, Shawn yeah. Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Very similar. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, Sonya Deville and Manny Rose are a little better on the eyes than HBK and Jannetty. I don't know. The HBK, he was called the Heartbreak Kid for something. You know, he got that name for a reason. Because uh, he was an asshole when he was younger. Yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> he was a douchebag back in the day, man. <laughs> He'd be the first uh, to tell you. But speaking of douchebags, oh, we should yeah. talk about this next because this is the third storyline that's going to intersect. Otis continues his role as he defeats Dolph Ziggler for the last Money in the Bank spot. I felt that the Ziggler end of this whole Otis and Manny Rose storyline has been excellent. Dolph has been a bad guy in this for sure. But I think he really seemed to care about Mandy. And when things went to hell between Sonya and Mandy, he was caught in the middle. Even though we did find out later on that he was on that he was in on the misdirection plan set up by Sonya. And he may have been going about the whole win Mandy's heart thing all wrong. But it seems like he really did care about her. And even after the beatdown that Sonya had put on Mandy Rose... He asked Otis how she was doing, and from what I could tell, his body language, his his eyes, it seemed like he genuinely cared. He was just asking, how is she doing? Of course, the jealousy is still there, like something out of the OC, but it seemed like he cared. And maybe, maybe I'm just being an idiot. Maybe I'm reading into it or reading too little into it, but that's how I've been feeling about it. I felt a little bad for Ziggler and all this. And... It's, it's turning the fights between Otis and Ziggler compelling. And I've been reading online how people have been saying that they don't seem to have a lot of chemistry in the ring, but I completely disagree. I think that they work together very well, and every time that they're in the ring, they're telling a good story. Do you feel any differently about that? I think this is this is more connected basically to, to the hip of 
Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. And that's you always zone, yeah. Yes. Um, but if that wasn't the case, will this be even a match to even consider? Even though it's connected to the money in, money in the bank ladder match, in which Otis did get, mm-hmm. but will this be even considered a match even to be talking about? Is Ziggler just thrown into this because of the storyline? We've seen Ziggler in different different uh, aspects throughout the years as different characters. You know, apparently everyone he brings up to his side becomes more popular than him over the last couple of years. Drew McIntyre, hmm. Big E, etc. Um, AJ Lee. There's another one. Um, That's not a bad point, actually. But at the same time, you got One could also argue that he could be a big reason why they're getting so over. Like he's like, if if you work with Ziggler, you're on your way. You're definitely going to be getting a good rub from him. No yeah. pun intended there. And of course, we already know Big E, and the guy humps air, and honestly, <laughs> we 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 knows what Drew McIntyre did. He's Wonder here Royal to Rumble. Humble. He's here Champions. to hump the world. He's here to hump the world. All right, hump it on. <laughs> Too much. Yes, that's a little bit of an interesting remix to uh, Ryder's <laughs> theme song. Um, but honestly, I know Otis. Made it to the ladder match. And you know his love story with Mandy Rhodes. And come to think about it, I'm going to retract my last statement I said about the other, about that intergender tag match. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. It's impossible because Otis is in the ladder match. Therefore, Ziggler is the, you know, the man out. Um, but I do see Sonya and Mandy one-on-one at Money in the Bank. But... This storyline between Otis and Ziggler, I think, I don't know why you need to get Otis over. Otis is over, in my opinion. Uh, he's a bigger dude, uh, and his voice, you're like, yes, yes, no pretty lady. I, that's a terrible <laughs> Otis person. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's over. And for Ziggler, for somebody that just like last this time last year was rumored to be retiring or getting out of the business, it's sure you know stay in his face. And of course, he's gonna still be a stickler for next week's. I think they're gonna. I think he's gonna be in the match next week. Stickler Ziggler. Stickler Ziggler, yeah. Um, but I still, even though that he may not have a you know a match in Money in the Bank next Sunday night, I do see him interfering in that match, especially with Otis involved. Um, so this match right here between these two guys for the, the chance to get in the money in the bank was actually a pretty, actually the match itself was awesome. Um, uh, always hit the caterpillar, got the wind. Um, but for some odd reason it, to me, Ziggler is just the odd man out, but I have a feeling that he's still not done with this whole Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville uh, story arc at this time. And we got next Friday to look what happens, and we got Money in the Bank next Sunday. So anything's possible in the WWE. That is for damn sure. And I'd say that the people who most agree with that sentiment right now would be the Forgotten Sons, because they are now in on the fatal four-way tag team titles. (laughs) Would you just look at these guys? Like two weeks ago, they debuted, and all of a sudden, pow, just like that. They're in uh, the tag team titles. Just last week, we were talking on the show and debating how long it would be until these fellows would get a title shot. And as you can see, it wasn't very long. Earlier this morning, it was announced, as, as of the recording of this, we're recording this on Saturday, earlier this morning, it was announced that a uh, Fuego Four-Away match would be going on at Money in the Bay, consisting of the Lucha House Party, Miz and Morrison, the Suns, and the New Day for the tag team titles. Now, this might be a bit whiplash-inducing, but I definitely think it's going to be a fun watch. This could be a dumb question, but could the Forgotten Sons be the ones to give the New Day their shortest title run ever? I honestly don't think the Lucha House Party is going to take it. That'd be interesting, but I don't think they're going to take it. Ms. Morrison, they're on their way to a breakup. I don't see them taking it, so just by deduction... The logical deduction, the Forgotten Sons, I think, are probably the one choice to take the titles if the New Day are to lose them. 
And would the Forgotten Sons be getting one of the biggest rubs ever given to another tag team by the New Day? So you think the New Day are going to be short title reign holders? Yeah, I, I think it's possible. How shocking would that be? And how huge would that be for the Forgotten Sons? That would be something that people wouldn't really be expecting. If you want to do the unexpected, that'd be the way to go about it. Yeah, that is the unexpected, but do you really think it's going to happen? Just say, not even betting. If you had to predict that match right now, do are you picking the Forgotten Sons? All right, I'll take it. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'll take it because the New Day, they're... Not their history. Their legacy is cemented. They didn't even need the eighth tag team title championship. They they had seven. They're already set. They have the longest reign in history. They're one of the biggest merchandise sellers in WWE history. Mm-hmm. One could argue that they're the best faction in WWE history. So for them to lose one week after getting the titles would be massive. And they're such unselfish guys that I don't see them having a big problem giving it to the Forgotten Sons. Well, that was a bold prediction that you're saying that the Forgotten Sons will win. But I am not going to jump off the New Day bandwagon. I don't think they're going to give the titles to them for three weeks, then take them off of them. But honestly, to really sit back and you look at the tag team division over the last couple of weeks, if it wasn't due to what is happening worldwide, I'm not saying the name, I think the, the tag team titles would have changed hands at WrestleMania besides this Monday night uh, SmackDown the following week. I, will, I, I really believe the titles would have changed hands at WrestleMania. But you have Lucha House Party. You have Miz and Morrison, Forgotten Sons, in this match. I see, honestly, I do see the Forgotten Sons being a major threat for the titles, but I do see... Not the New Day losing the titles, but if the New Day doesn't win, my pick is the New Day, no matter what. If the New Day doesn't win, I see Miz and Morrison winning the tag team titles more than I see the Forgotten Sons. Um, nah, big disagree on my part. I don't think so. Okay, fine. Well, we'll be disagreeing with that until we see the match next Sunday. And when Miz and Morrison hold up the titles, we'll be like, aha, suck it. I was right. That doesn't make any sense to me, though, because clearly they seem like, and you could see it through Michael Cole taking little jabs at them. It just seems like they're being set up for the inevitable breakup. They can only be together for so long in this nostalgia trip. Well, I did say last week that Morrison's getting up there in age, and he basically came to the WWE for a reason, like how AJ Styles came to the WWE for a reason. Uh, they're promised something when they sign that contract, when they jump ship from Impact or TNA or ROH or New Japan. They're told as, hey, if I'm signing here with the WWE, I want to be this in this time frame. So I did mention that last week that Morrison would be pushed as a single superstar here pretty soon. And you're right. They could be setting that up. Um, but I just want to be different from you. Either New Day or the Miz and Morrison are going to win. But I honestly... Seeing that we have a tag team that's, you know, MIA in the SmackDown, we'll get that later. Um, the Forgotten Sons are a threat in this division. And the house party, like you just mentioned, I just think they're just thrown in there to be just thrown in there. Um, because what other tag team would they face on SmackDown to get in there? It would have been Otis and Heavy Machinery, but Otis has his own little storyline going on right now. So, uh, that's an intriguing match, honestly, and it's it's making up to make money to bank a very interesting evening from the start to the end. Hopefully, this match is not a dud like a lot of Fatal Four Way tag matches are on WWE pay per views. Yeah, there's so much talent between all four of these guys. It's it's condensed because the tag team division is pretty small right now. Unfortunately, because of this whole Rona situation. But it's strong. And another strong guy that's been waiting for his opportunity, finally, is Sheamus. Because he let the world know that he is waiting for one Mr. Jeff Hardy. So after weeks and weeks of squashing NXT talent that really doesn't deserve that kind of treatment, 
But it may be difficult for them to get wrestlers off the streets because, well, they'd be getting them off the streets. And again, the whole Rona situation. So unfortunately, a lot of NXT talent has been sacrificial lambs to one Sheamus. Sheamus finally had a squash match that mattered this week. I was actually pretty surprised at the level of brutality which Sheamus showed a uh, Mr. Leon Ruff. But it might have been caused by an elbow from Mr. Ruff to the head of Sheamus. And that really pissed them off. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, go back and look at the match and check out the spot where Sheamus has Leo Ruff like in a standing hold. And Leo starts elbowing him. But with his elbow up to his ear. And it looks like he legit hit him in the ear. And I think that that pissed off Sheamus. And when that happens in wrestling, sometimes uh, guys will take a few liberties. And he proceeded to just completely stomp out Mr. Ruff, leading to an excellent promo with Michael Cole. Look at that. Michael Cole was involved in two good promos this week. And Sheamus let him know that he is sick of hearing about Jeff Hardy. Once again, he's just damn tired of it. And he told him that he's going to be the first to challenge the Hardy High Flyer to a match when he comes back. And I think that this might actually happen to Money in the Bank. They'll probably have the meetup this upcoming week. And then it'll be announced and it'll be a Money in the Bank. With the need for more superstar feuds, you know, because honestly SmackDown has been a little starving for that. And at least the fans seem to feel that way because the ratings have been on a steady decline. I think that having these two together... And a great rivalry is really going to help things for a turnaround. It probably won't fix everything because it's not like having the Rock against Stone Cold. But I think it's going to be a great matchup that can only help as long as they don't have any setbacks or lack of chemistry or, God forbid, injuries. Has the hype for this been getting better for you or are you still just meh on it like you were a couple weeks ago? It's a shameless thing. Um. <laughs> I just, I just love it's his intro. I, I said shameless. I think it says shameful. Um, it's a shame thing. Um, no, I'm doing it, Jesus. Uh, yep. See, I, I guarantee you, we got all of our listeners doing it too. Um, <laughs> Infectious shameless. Exactly. The guy, <laughs> the guy stands in the sun for five minutes and he's burnt ass red, seeing that he's so pale. Um, but. A couple weeks ago, I was eh about it because I, for me, like if you listen to the AEW uh, review podcast that just dropped today, I have a big, you know, I just hate squash matches. I think they're useless. I think they're a waste of time when they're happening every freaking week. But I do understand why we're having these squash matches because. The Performance Center is in Orlando. AEW is did a lot of their filming here in Jacksonville over the last couple of weeks, and they usually call local wrestlers that are within an hour drive's distance of the facility so they can get them to the facility and not risk what's going on getting getting wrestlers connect or uh, you know can, uh, interfering with wrestlers and the the disease that shall not be named. Um, they get products and get the show aired understand these uh, these uh, matches. I understand squash matches. Squash matches usually build up a character, build up a storyline, story arcs, build up a up-and-coming superstar. Um, but when you're established like Sheamus, why? I understand if you're going to do it for an up-and-coming like Brock Lesnar or Braun Strowman. I understand that because we, you look in the past, Brock Lesnar's first match was against Tajiri, and I want to say... It's one of the uh, heart, uh, Dudley boys. Uh, one the I forget. Well, it had to Spike be Devon or Spike, Oh, wait, no, it was probably Spike. Yeah, was, I remember the, was, the power bomb that he would yes. do on him. It's, it was a, it was Spike because in the in AEW you're 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 seeing Warlord take on Lee Johnson and uh, and and Jude Law. You're, it's like why you, we already see what's happening. We already know what's going to happen. Why are we wasting this time on TV and airtime? Now, if this wasn't during the disease that shall not be named crisis that's happening around the world, I say this is a lot of dead air for this type of squash matches. But we know what's going on. These local facilities are just getting guys who are close to the facilities, and they can get them in there to, A, TV time. Got to put something on TV. You have to. Got to. You know, you got, that's how you pay your bills. 
But also, this squash match, even though I can't stand squash matches, this actually has a story arc behind it. Because every time a Sheamus match happens, there is a Jeff Hardy promo dropping right after it, or right before it, or in between his matches. And it's pissing off Sheamus. And that's an, there's an arc into that. I understand that. That's more. That's a, not more better. You don't want to say that. It's a lot better than just hey, here's a squash match, and we're going to the commercial break with a with a vicious victory. No shit. It's a vicious victory. It's a, a established name against a guy who wrestles at you know high school gyms on Thursday nights for two dollars. Um, oh, that's just mean to NXT. Yeah, it's not NXT. Ow, I'm just kidding, NXT fans. Please don't unsubscribe. N- <laughs> I couldn't help on, myself. NXT's on ones. I didn't bash them that long. I'm talking about the ind- independent circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the guys that they get off the streets and whatever, yeah. when they travel to town to town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no offense to those guys either. Jesus. <laughs> they got a lot of balls to go in there, man. We're, we're talking about porn porn music and NXT tonight. That's, that's a good way to talk about SmackDown review. Um, but <laughs> More like Smack Talk review. Correct. The the story arc of this, honestly, is improving. Two weeks ago, I was like, eh, I really don't care. But now, seeing that Jeff Hardy is going to be back Friday night, next week, Sheamus is going to pop his head in, because he said, say, it's Michael Cole, with Michael Cole looking like he's a scared little bitch on live TV. He's like, I'm going to be here, Michael Cole. No shit, Sheamus. You're supposed to be here. You're 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 an employee of the WWE, and you're currently in the story arc. You're going to be here, so I think Jeff Hardy returns. Sheamus and Jeff Hardy have a skimish um, for next Friday, and don't be surprised if we get a match at Money in the Bank between Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. And that doesn't mean the feud ends there because it's just been building. I think we're going to see a month long, two month long feud between Jeff Hardy and Sheamus that goes over a couple, maybe. One more pay-per-view after this, Money in Bank, and maybe Extreme Rules. Uh, so, yeah, that's my feelings about squash matches and Sheamus. Oh, two for one right there. Yes. All right, guys, so that's a wrap on that when it comes to what's going on in the ring. What do you say we take a look at what's going on outside of the ring? And uh, We got to go with the biggest possibly falsest rumor, but considering where it came from, might be some credence to it. There have been rumors about one Mr. Vince McMahon selling the WWE to ESPN. Is there any truth to this? It's been going around the proverbial internet wrestling circle. And this was brought to life by the WWE legend, well, wrestling legend overall, Dutch Mantel, who said that he's been hearing from people inside the uh, war room of WWE that Vince is speaking to ESPN and other broadcasting companies like Fox about a possible sale of WWE. Now, before 2020, I would have found this rumor incredibly impossible to believe. Just no way it could happen. But considering how much Vince has lost on the XFL... An unfortunate decline in ratings for the WWE and a complete lack of fans that shows it's making him hemorrhage money. The chances of Vince tapping out and selling out seem more possible than ever. Could this possibly happen, James? And who do you think would be the best suitor for WWE if this were to happen? Is it possible? Yes. Will it happen? Doubtful. Um... The only reason why I think it's doubtful is that, yes, the WWE is suffering right now because of the disease that shall not be named. Um, It's been affecting everything around the world. We are starting, as you can see, around the nation. States are starting to somewhat come back to life. Therefore, we're going to start seeing live events pretty soon. And that will start bringing in more money. But as for a hypothetical situation who would be a better suitor for the WWE I will have to say I know a lot of people will go man you're going to, you're going to pick Disney and ESPN no I'm going to say Fox um, Fox yes honestly I'm not bashing USA and ESPN but Fox has put on some great broadcasts of the XFL and the WWE since they came to that big contract uh, 
negotiation about a year ago. The presentation's a lot cleaner. The presentation seems more professional compared to USA, even though it's basically, you know, that's owned by NBC. Um, but yes, we know that ESPN has the money. We know that ESPN has the Disney money, but to uh, uh, to not a copy to take control or to take the assets of Vince McMahon to their own is going to be a lot of money that ESPN does have, but will they risk doing that knowing that, of course, Disney's not making money as well? As I stated before, they're losing about 46-some million dollars a day because their parks are closed. But I do think these rumors are swirling. Yes, usually rumors do have you know some merit behind them. When there's smoke, there's fire. But I do believe because of what the XFL did, and what's happened to the WWE over the last month is more of people extremely overreacting than actually sitting back and seeing what is actually occurring. Yes, I may get a lot of backblow on this. I don't give a fuck, but I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes to start getting interest into a company or a movie or an industry or a car or a computer, sometimes you got to throw bait out there to see if someone grabs it. And if ESPN and Fox, you know, go after it, you can see how much the WWE is worth and what it's worth to uh, to occupy it. But the question is, is this going to happen? I doubtfully, I I'm really doubtful that it's going to happen because I think it's going to be we're going to be fine here in about two months. Um, but this is when you, the fans, the people who listen to this useless podcast of ours, um, thank you by the way. Um, <laughs> Do your part. Go buy T-shirts. Go buy belts. Go buy products the WWE. Go buy the network. Keep putting money into this industry that you guys love and that we love to keep it afloat. Because once this, if WWE gets sold, the question is: is now it's no longer wrestling, no, no longer the WWE. Now it's going to be either owned by Fox or Disney. And that will make it very strange as this industry who controls it. Usually TV companies don't own licenses for sporting events or sport entertainment. They're usually their own entities. But sit back. Let the dust settle. I know everyone's still in the panic because of the disease that we should not be named has really caused havoc around our world. And that's completely understandable. But I do not see this being sold. I think it's more of a rumor that caught on and is catching fire because people are spreading it like wildfires. I don't see Vince selling the WWE. I think he's just sending out feeders out there to see if someone bites. And that's usually how you become a good businessman. Just see how much interest there are is in your company and your brand based on just throwing those feeders out. And if the big if a big enough fish bites it with a number that he can't refuse, then what the fuck did I just go on a five minute rant for? But anyways, Hey, I, life can change just yeah, like that at yeah, the snap I, of a finger. Yeah, I, I doubt that it's going to be sold, but I'm not denying that there's interest in there. So uh, it's a very interesting time we live in today. Um, everything's getting shut down. Everything's selling. Everything is, you know, this is selling market now, people. So if you're a stock market, go sell, sell, sell. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely hope that uh, Disney and ESPN do not buy it up. I actually think that ESPN is still struggling with their uh, downward turns. <clears throat> There's a really good video out there on YouTube, if you guys ever get the chance to check it out. It's by this guy called Company Man, and it was uh, describing the decline of ESPN and how they have been hemorrhaging money for a very, very long time. Because you guys probably remember when Sports Center was a huge thing. You would always go home and go watch that. Well, guess what? The internet has taken over. We got Bleacher Report these days. Most people don't really watch Sports Center as much as they used to because you don't really need to watch a whole two hours of it because you can just look it up on your phone. And that has caused a big drop in subscribers for ESPN. Very now they true. Created, yeah, they created ESPN Plus to try to circumvent that. Seemed to have helped a bit. But at the end of the day, they pay so much to the likes of the NFL and the NBA, MLB, that at the end of the day, it does cost them a lot of money. I'm not sure if they can afford what it would cost to also buy WWE. You know what hurt them, the ESPN? Mm. Barstool. 
Yeah, stuff like that. Absolutely. Because Barstool is attracting the age demographic of 21 to 42, and that's ESPN's prime demographic to go after. At least they used to be. Um, people our age, basically, are going to Barstool for blogs and podcasts than rather turn on TV to listen to First Take or Undisputed, whatever. Because honestly, I'm not bashing ESPN, ESPN here, but how many episodes can we go on ESPN where we hear... Is LeBron James the greatest basketball player of all time? How many episodes have we got to watch that first take? It gets annoying after seven weeks. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. You Good understand? I, I guarantee a lot of our listeners agree with that too. If you guys watch ESPN, no matter where you are in the world, but continue, sir. What I think would probably be the best suitor, honestly, I think would probably be USA, because by having USA, you don't have to connect yourself to stuff like ESPN. But NBC has had a previous good relationship with Vince. Thanks mm-hmm. to Dick Ebersol. I don't know what kind of shape that relationship is in now, but if they can get, if they can push all that to the side of Ebersol still has any power over there, I think that'd be really interesting because, yeah, you could do your shows on USA, and USA yes. didn't actually want to lose SmackDown. We could, at some points, do shows on NBC. And NBC, you know, would probably love to have those high ratings. Where of course. They be, yeah, where they'd be able to fit it in, I don't know. But I and think also, maybe, maybe a good suitor. if there's a new suitor, whoever gets, if NBC is it or ESPN is it or Fox, whoever, they need to loosen the restrictions. What's What USA has on the WWE right now cannot, in my opinion, for an industry that's gaining popularity. Before you know it, ROH is going to have their own TV show. And before you know it, New Japan is going to be in the United States, too, with their own TV shows. Um, impact has theirs but it's not big tv network but still aew is killing right now they're still winning the rating battle between aew or nxt, NXT but because how every, everyone's ratings are down right now I, I i understand why a lot of these companies are freaking out but one thing that tnt has and then one thing i've read about tony khan and shot khan who are the owners of the jackson jaguars who also own the aew they went to the TV negotiations with TNT and say, hey, we don't want these same restrictions that USA has on the WWE or Fox has on the WWE. And TNT goes, we're a cable network. We don't have those restrictions. So, so, so why in the heck are the restrictions on AEW, not on the AEW, but the same res- those restrictions on USA? That is contra- There's someone who made contracts in the USA and Fox about the WWE. They need to, whoever, if if it does get to be sold or whoever company gets the new uh, WWE loosen the restrictions so we can have matches that remind us about the matches in the nineties, you know, actually have no DQ matches where people get hit by chairs and blood comes out like loosen the restriction. You don't have to get like severely gory, but if the AEW is doing that right now, don't tell me that WWE can't do it, but I know the demographic that WWE is trying to attract it's usually under 35, while AEW, or not under 35, under 21, and AEW is trying to get 21 to 30, I think 45, I think it's the, the demographic. But I understand, but there is some contracts that you can say, you know, lower the restrictions here so we can have athletes like Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. You have the lesser uh, restrictions, that story can get so much deeper than it is right now. But, it, like what we said before, it depends on what size the fish grabs the bait. And when the whoever buys it or whoever thinks buys it or if it ever gets sold, they will be the ones that make the calls. But I like to see the restrictions get lessened a little bit so we can have some more excitement matches in, the, um, in WWE. So, yeah, I'm done with Rand. I would say that uh, the big difference between, before we move on, uh, WWE and AEW when it comes to restrictions, one thing to keep in mind is that WWE is a publicly owned company, so they have stockholders to answer to, whereas AEW does not. They are still a um, a, a private company. Yeah, so no, yeah, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. That definitely uh, helps them out with that. So that's that's a big advantage that they have. But at the same time, the disadvantage is that they have less money than Vince. And you know that AEW is definitely depending on those NFL dollars. Uh, so when and if the NFL gets started this season, that's really going to help out AEW and their ability to hire more talent 
that are not named Heath Slater. Sorry, Heath. Um, oh, there's some talent on AEW. <laughs> oh, I know there is, but uh, yet um, Cody Rhodes kind of got a little bit of heat recently for saying that uh, Heath Slater's a guy that they're not even going to look at, which is very unfortunate because I love Heath Slater. He, man's got kids. Come on now. Give the man a job. But uh, the last but not least of these stories that we got, it's a sad one, unfortunately. It seems like every episode that we do, we got some bad news. But Jimmy Uso, literally, just as I was writing everything up for this show, I get an alert on my phone that's telling me that he's going to be out for six months. Thanks to the folks at WrestlingNews.com, by the way. Just want to give you all a shout out. Apparently, <clears throat> Uso being hurt is the reason why we haven't seen the brothers on TV recently. Uh, he got hurt during the tapings for WrestleMania. He jacked up his knee on a ladder spot. And this, for better or worse, led to the Forgotten Sons being called up from NXT. Whether or not the Forgotten Sons were on the way up from NXT is not known, but this could be a big reason why they have a shot at the titles at Money in the Bank. What do you think this means for Jey Uso? Do you think they're going to just have him sit back like the last time one of the Usos got hurt for about six months? Or is he going to be given a solo run? Which, honestly, I think would be pretty cool. I'm I'm very curious to see what a solo Jimmy or Jey Uso looks like. Besides their brother, because they're twins. Yeah, it will be awesome. If, uh, and also, um, we actually have some more breaking news. From the wrestlingnews.com, like you just mentioned, another pun for them. Um, Kevin Owens is out indefinitely with an ankle injury. What? Yep, news just broke about 45 minutes ago. Kevin Owens currently has confirmed to wrestlingnews.com that during his WrestleMania match, he suffered an injury to his ankle and needs x rays and possibly needs a surgery. So he is out indefinitely as well. So there are two other SmackDown stars that are no longer on SmackDown. Um, so, yeah, not, not a good week for injuries. But, but Jay Uso, let's get on that subject. Um, I think he could do a good singles uh, match. I think he should. Um, but the Usos are the Usos for a reason. They're together. And do I see Jay having a couple of maybe a couple of weeks off or maybe a month or two off? Yes. Um, but do I see them for do I see him completely you know skipping out six to eight months without his brother? Highly doubt that. Uh, he's too good of a talent to have just sitting around doing nothing. Um, but yeah, um, maybe is is Jay married to Naomi or is that Jimmy? I honestly I. Always screw that up. I really do. I think it's Jay that's married to Naomi. I want to say that. Because uh, if Jay Uso is married to, if, if I'm, no. Yes, 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 yes. I yes, got yes. it right. No. Damn it. It's, Jimmy is married to Trinity McRae, who is Naomi. So, Jay is not he is his wife i don't think is in the wwe um but i was going to say he can you know tag team or be with his wife during the events but that's more of your sister-in-law than your actual wife but i still that could also be a thing too i uh, have him be support being supportive to naomi i, I won't be won't be surprising uh, but usually when tag teams lose a tag team partner that individual who is not hurt they get pushed to the side. Like when the Dudleys, when I think Devon got hurt back in the 90s, um, Bubba Ray wasn't ready to be a single competitor. Edge and Christian, completely different because they were also very good as single superstars. Matt and Jeff Hardy, as you can tell, they're pretty good as single superstars. Um, there are certain tag teams that you can break up due to maybe injury or just regular separation that the superstars themselves can last by themselves. Honestly, my personal opinion, I don't think Jay Uso can be he can do for a short run. I'm not this is not talking about like a full time and the rest of his contract that I think I think expires in 2022. So 
I don't think it's going to be a two-year ordeal when he's going to be a single superstar. It's just temporary. But this would be a great chance to see how good he is as a single competitor and how long he can last as a single competitor. Uh, because it only means that he can put himself in the Intercontinental title match, and or if he goes to Raw, the United States, whatever match he can possibly go after. Um, but yeah, there could be a chance, but usually when you have tag teams that are big names like the Usos, um, and you get them separated, usually they don't last long because they're better together than separate. Um, but the injuries suck, and that's what happens in any sport industry you're in, football, baseball, soccer. Women's lacrosse, men's tennis, croquet, beer pong, and the WWE uh, injuries happen. Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, it would be really interesting if they had Jay go on and do his own thing, keeps up with the whole USO penitentiary joint, gets yeah. some success, and shares the wealth with his wife. Oh no, wait, correct. Uh, once again, which one is married to Naomi, Jimmy or Jay? Jimmy is married to Naomi. Jay's wife is just a... I think she works for the WWE, but she's not a wrestler. Okay. So so let's say Jay goes on, does his own thing, maybe gets a you know mid-card title, maybe higher, who knows. But he's got his own success, right? And then as, as uh, Jimmy is getting healthier and healthier, you have Naomi come up to Jay and be like, hey, haven't seen you in a long time. Have you talked to your brother? And, you know, maybe Jay would be like, oh, nah, sorry, you know, it's been really busy, you know, with my personal success and whatnot. He ain't going to say it that way, but essentially that's how it's going to come across to Naomi. And Naomi's going to be like, no, your brother hasn't forgotten how you abandoned him, how you abandoned me, too. As soon as your brother got hurt, you left us all out in the cold, and you build up to the return of Jimmy. And you have Jimmy and Jay just going at each other. Like, I think that would be pretty cool to do. Because how often do you have identical twins feud with each other? That would be incredibly unique. Besides like, the Bella twins. We're not going to count that, though, because that whole thing was bleh. And it's still going on. Yeah, just a little bit. But we're not counting that yeah. deep show. But his injury, <laughs> his injury is six to eight months. And six to eight months from now is December. And what mm-hmm. pay-per-view happens in December? December to dismember, of course. Oh, Jesus, really? <laughs> um, it's either what well, fast? No, fast lane's after the Royal Rumble. So, well, fast paper... lane is just before WrestleMania. Yeah, it's the paper. Typically, typically, uh, it's either that or Elimination Chamber. But the pay per view that I'm looking for is the Royal Rumble. I think that's either in January or December. Usually, in December it's like No Way Out or something like that. Some odd pay-per-view but jimmy looks like it's a six to eight month injury this looks like a surprise entry number 17th arrival of jimmy in the royal rumble but here's a little thing i want to shoot your way jay uso should he just ignore smackdown and go to nxt and see if he can help some young guns down in nxt like how charlotte and finn balor have gone to nxt hmm Intriguing idea, possibly. It never Maybe. hurts to have a main roster guy on NXT because that's always going to help a bit with the ratings. Uh, maybe uh, knock some sense into Valentine Dream. Um, <laughs> actually, he wasn't even on TV on Wednesday, the last I recall. I don't even think he's there anymore. Damn, well, there you go. Some of our but, predictions are already coming yeah, true. But still, that would be, yes, he may not be in a position in... SmackDown because of course you can't really do anything as a tag team partner when your your brother is hurt. But that'd be just a nice little twist. Put have Jay go to uh NXT. It'd be helped it won't boost the roster. It will just give the up and coming superstars in NXT a experienced veteran and possibly a tag team that's gonna go down in history as one of the most exciting, I'm not gonna say greatest, but one of the most exciting tag teams to ever perform in the WWE. That'd be a great for addition to NXT. So it'd be interesting what the WWE and the creative team will do with Jay for the next six to eight months, seeing that his brother will be out for a long time. Yeah, because yeah, Jay's got to make money too. You don't work, you don't get paid. It's just how it goes sometimes. But with that said, we're almost at the end of the show, folks. I know we've ranted and raved for a while now. It's one of our longer episodes. So what do you say we get to our heel of the week? And for me, this one's an easy choice right off the bat. She's on our thumbnail. 
Miss Sonia Deville, Devil, Deville, has been on an absolute roll. You guys already know this. I'm going to keep this one a little bit short because we've talked to death about this storyline. But hands down, Sonny Deville is definitely the best heel going on this week. She cost her best friend, former best friend, a Money in the Bank title shot. She beat the ever-living hell out of her after it. And it even seemed like she got off on wrecking her leg. Like, come on. It doesn't, it doesn't get much better than that. Like, I'm really, really enjoying what she's doing. I hope they continue with it. What I'd like to see is her go after Mandy Rose. Maybe, oh God, I guess they can't really do this right now. It's like maybe when they're going out to a hotel room or dinner or a movie, you know, just attack her when she's not expecting it. But unfortunately, due to the whole situation right now, you, you, yes, you just can't really do that. Maybe attack her backstage when she's in the locker room or something. That could be pretty fun to do. I hope they keep this up. And Miss Sonny Deville, congratulations. You got yourself your first ever Heel of the Week nomination from us here at the Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. Uh, that's what we should do. We start should keep track of who wins our Heels of the Week. So at the end of the month, we can give you our Heel of the Month or whoever rewards. That'd be something to unique. Give a, mm-hmm. a rewards. Create some more interesting awards out there for Heel of the Week. Uh, give us a shout out. Um, but my Heel of the Week... Another goes to King Baron Corbin. I know we didn't really touch on him today as much as we wanted to because there were other interesting topics to get into. Uh, King Baron Corbin started off SmackDown this Friday night with a glorious royal entrance. Um, Him and Daniel Bryan had a nice little match. Um, Over the years, watching Corbin from NXT and now in SmackDown, his character buildup has been completely completely awesome um, to a point where it's actually you're now seeing what Corbin can do he is a true heel I never see him go in face um, and the reason why he is my heel of the week this week is because of a certain move that happened during the match um, it was a great match a great wrestling match between the two and right at the very end it looked like Daniel Bryan got up from uh, get out of the ring going after Corbin Corbin just picks up the ladder and throws it at Daniel Bryan like it was nothing and I was like, oh, that's a heelish move right there. I didn't want to say Sonya Deville because I knew that was going to be yours. And, of course, I wouldn't want to say Bray Wyatt because, come on, he'll win Heel of the Week every single dang week um, because of his uh, character. But Baron Corbin, in my opinion, the King Baron Corbin, with the most underrated theme song in the WWE, is my Heel of the Week. All right, all right. We'll have to get started on sending all these wrestlers some golden headphones. Eventually, they'll run out of space for them. Just shove them in a box. <laughs> It'll be like random unknown golden headphones keep showing up. <laughs> uh, be, the, the reward would be a golden uh, crotch grabber. <laughs> no, that's for Mickey James. Exactly. Who's to say I haven't already sent her that? Anyway, oh! <laughs> with that, we're going to close this out, guys. Once again, we want to thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciate you guys doing that. And if you want to help us out here, help this show grow, make sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes or Anchor, whatever it is that you're listening to. Make sure to follow us on Anchor as well if you if you want to listen purely through podcast format, not necessarily through YouTube. And yes, we have a YouTube channel. Make sure to check us out, Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at PWNSGWP, at Wrestling Movie G. Make sure to follow PW Newsroom as well. If you want some old-school XFL gear, make sure to check out 503 Sports. And once again, back to Anchor. If you want to help support us, if you've got a couple of bucks to spare, Feel free to go down to Anchor. You can help support the show through there. And we'd really appreciate it if you could do that. If you can't, it's all right. We're going to keep doing the show. Is there anything left that we want to throw in before we clock out, my man? Yes. Uh, we have a Facebook page now, people. That's right. I got to uh, get used to that. Yeah, just we got launched the other day. Yep. Got a Facebook page. So you kids who are... Complain about we're only on Twitter and no Instagram. We're not going on Instagram. I forbid going on Instagram, but we're staying on Facebook. We're staying on Twitter. We're staying on YouTube. Go find us there, Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. And also, we might be doing a surprise live stream tomorrow night. That's Sunday, May 3rd at 8 o'clock. Maybe a surprise live stream. May not be officially official, 
but it's something that me and Carlos want to do. Maybe some other characters, a part of the crew, will join us to enjoy a little night of wrestling live stream. And we will make the announcement sometime tomorrow or later tonight, depending on what it is. But no matter of that, SmackDown was good this week. And let's dig it. Let's get the show out of here. All right, guys. Clocking out. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you very soon for our review of Monday Night Raw. Until then, you're all fired. This is a copyright disclaimer. We do not own or have any affiliation with the WWE. This is just a fan-made show. And all musical credit for the intro go to Dance with the Dead. Please go support Dance with the Dead and the WWE.